Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacraments, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I am here, as always, with Father Stephen Gauthier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Great to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is Director of Formation at St. Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. Father Stephen, we just recently celebrated the Feast of All Saints. That's on November 1st, um, technically, and then you can also observe it on that uh, that following Sunday. Um, it's one of our feasts, you know, everyone gets decked out in white. It's a it's a special occasion. Um, you know, we we uh, read the Beatitudes. Um, but I, I wanted to ask exactly, you know, who are the saints exactly? And also, what's the history of this particular feast? And of course, also, of course, you know, what's the connection to, to All Hallows' Eve, you know, America's favorite holiday, uh, Halloween um, and where does all which these is spreading things... around the world, by the way? <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry to say, for for in my for lifetime, it's hit France. I mean, it, it was non-existent there, and it's in a recent thing. It's American people of Italy. It's a real popular import in Europe. Okay, well, who are the saints? Um, well, what does the term mean? Well, the term we have the term holy. Okay, uh, and that's a good in English. We thought the Holy Bible, right? We have to talk about God is holy, 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 holy. And we had an episode where we talked about holy uh, means the quality of God. You know, that's godness. You know, when you see God, all you can say is the, o- the only adjective you can think of is God-like. God, you know, holy, holy, holy. Well, what happened is, uh, is that the French form of this, because English often has two words, an English word and a French word for the same thing because of the, the, the Norman invasion. So we have, through French, we have a word which came out to be saint in English, from sanctus in Latin, saint in French becomes saint in English. And so they mean the same thing. Holy and saint are the same thing in English. They mean the same, they basically, holy means having the qualities of God. You know, like if you're near the fire, you get warm and you get bright. Because the fire, only the fire, it gives light and heat. But anything near it takes on those qualities. And we talk sanctified means to be made holy. So the saints are literally those who have been made holy. So saint and sanctify, sanctity, sanctification, these are all the same idea. Yeah, making holy. Sanctify means literally, Latin sanctificare means to make holy. To make something holy and something that's made holy is saintly. You know, it's, and a person who's made holy is a saint. And that's why in the New Testament we constantly refer to, to believers as saints. To the saints at Rome, to the saints at Corinth. Now, immediately we tend to think, well, I think of dead people, right? You think you say, hey, you know, sort of like something out of, I see dead people. You know, yeah, you hear the word yeah, saint yeah. and you think, I see dead people. And we think of the great Christians from ages past. Right. So it's like, you know, those pictures with the people with the halos and stuff like that. And they're in stained glass windows and stuff. Um, it seems if you want to be the saint, the first thing you have to be is dead. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and yet in the New Testament, the saint is never used of dead people. It's, well, I, I take that back. It's, it's, uh, it's used uh, one or twice that way, but it's used typically in the sense of resurrection. But it's used normally in the sense of people who are very, very much alive, just ordinary followers of Jesus Christ. Like in Romans, it's used eight times. And it says, for example, we can give you an idea of the, the, how in so many different contexts, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. That's in chapter 1. Then chapter 8 says, uh, 
The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, Paul said, hey, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Yeah, it seems like just a very kind of generic term or very... Yeah, but if, how did Christians describe themselves? We're told that in Antioch, it was other people called them Christians. Christians call themselves saints because they've been made holy. You know, they've taken, they've come close to God and have taken on the qualities of God. Remember in the Old Testament, anything that belonged to God was also holy. If you kind of came near to God, like the ground near God was, remember Moses, take off your shoes, this is holy ground. But we'd also talk about the priest who would approach it. You know, it says holy to the Lord on his turban. He had a little plaque that said holy to the Lord, meaning anything that God owns or anything that gets close to him takes on, you know, the, the reflected holiness of God. So you get the idea, it keeps it acceptable to the saints. So we have eight different things, and they keep saying saints just as the term to describe Christians. But also in the Pauline letters, typically that's how he addresses communities, to the church of God that is in, in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Sanctified means made holy in Jesus, called to be holy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The church of Corinth, okay, with all the saints who are the whole of Achaia, the saints at Ephesus, the saints of Philippi, uh, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Yeah. You get the drill. Right. So it's, it's yeah, this is, it's a particular term for those that have been set apart, called to be holy, and indeed are, are, are being made holy, right? Like, so it's, it's, it's kind of, it's an, it's kind of an active term, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's talking about the thing that's happening to you as, uh, as you're continuing in, in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay. So how do we come to associate saint with dead people? You know, uh, how, how does this shift happen? That's really neat because remember in the creed we talk, I believe in the communion of saints. And what that says is basically that, you know, we're, we're, we, we're told when we're baptized, the scriptures tell us, and Romans tells us, we're, we become part of the body of Christ. But we're also told that when we receive uh, Holy Communion, that, you know, that also brings us together in a bond. As we eat one bread, you know, we are one body. And the idea is that bond doesn't end with death. Remember one day the, the Sadducees came to try to uh, trap Jesus, and they said, and Jesus said, look, whoa, whoa, whoa. God isn't the dead of the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. All are alive to him. So what we emphasize is, you know, that saints were not just those of us here now, but all who had been faithful to the Lord and had died in the Lord. That fellowship is still going on. You know, that's still, we're still part of that fellowship. That is the communion of saints. And also it's a pun in the, in the original languages, big, or a play on words, because communion means like sharing, a sharing of the holy things. And a communion of the holy people is said exactly the same way, communio sanctorum in Latin. That's exactly the same thing. So it actually plays on the double meaning. It's saying, I believe that when we take Eucharist together, we become one, and that that, that bond is not broken by death. And here's a beautiful way. So we used to talk about, the, we still do, the church militant, as those of us who are still fighting the good fight here, using Paul's metaphor, and the church triumphant, people who are already with the Lord enjoying the fruits of victory. And there's an analogy I like that I think can help explain the whole notion of the communion of saints. Think of a train. The engine is the Lord Jesus Christ, the firstborn of the dead. He's the first one. It's a train's going through a tunnel. The first one out of the tunnel is the Lord Jesus himself, the engine pulling the train. Then we have another car, a number of cars that have already come out of the tunnel. 
right? They're in the, they're in the light. But that same train includes a lot of cars that are still in the tunnel. So we basically, the communion said we have the Lord Jesus, who's the head of his church. We have those who are with him now, you know, have gone through this life or are with him in glory. You know, that's the church triumphant. And we have those of us still in the trouble. We're, we're moving that direction, right? That train's moving, but we're still in the tunnel. Those are the, that's the church militants. Yeah, but it's so but it's all one it's all one train here. All one train. Where they are we will be. We're all going to the same place. Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers. So All Saints Day is coming in the context of our our connection to those that have gone before. You know, it's not saints don't aren't just people who have died, but it it certainly includes them um and remembers them in a special way. Yeah, the original idea was that, you know, that what this fellowship we have here continues after death. So, you know, just as we talk about our Eucharistic prayer, therefore with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, meaning all the angels and also all the saints, all those who are already with the Lord, all of us gather around the table. So it's not just that people that have died and it's nice and we remember them, but they're people that, you know, we believe are alive in a special way that we will be. Um, yeah, and, they're alive right now. Yeah. He says, I'm not, God is not the God of the dead. Remember, they said, well, this resurrection thing. And he said, he says, doesn't he say in the passage in the bush, Jesus says, doesn't, doesn't Moses say, because you believe in Moses. They didn't believe in the other books. You believe in Moses. Didn't Moses say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. All are alive to him. So he says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are very much alive in God. They're, they're alive differently. I mean, there's that's with him right now. They're in the cars that are already out in the light. We're still in the tunnel. Right. So let's talk about the feast itself. So how does this feast come about? How, how do we come to celebrate uh, All Saints as, as a day, as a particular day? Well, originally, we had an episode on this that about the Saints Days originally came in local churches when somebody died a martyr's death. Uh, the Roman tradition was you always honored a person on their day of the death by going to the cemetery and having a picnic. And so what Christians would do when there had been a martyr in a local church is a year from their, every year on the date that they had died, the church would go out and celebrate Eucharist, you know, out at the gravesite. And so this is a tradition, but they were normally just local martyrs, people who died at that church. But in the fourth century out in Syria, is they wanted to have a special feast to, there are so many martyrs that just were sort of lost in the shuffle. They decided to have a feast to celebrate all those martyrs, the, the ones they knew about and ones they didn't know about, just to celebrate the fact of people who born witness. You know, their robes have been washed, washed white by the blood of the lambs, we'd say the apocalypse. So they said the Friday following Pentecost would be the day they did that in the, in the church in Syria. That's in the fourth century, the 300s, you know, the, the century of the first two councils, the great councils. And the reason after Pentecost, there's a symbolism of the harvest of the Holy Spirit. You know, we've seen the harvest of the Holy Spirit and martyrdom was a beautiful example of the Holy Spirit at work, you know, giving this powerful testimony to Jesus. Well, what happens is in the seventh century in Rome, they took the pagan pantheon, it was a big, it was a big um, uh, temple to all the gods, and they transformed it into a Christian church dedicated to all the martyrs. And that feast was dedicated on May 13th, which always falls in Eastertide. It just happened the day they actually dedicated the church. And that's still there in Rome to this day. That building's perfectly intact. 
and you can you can see you can see the uh, the the Pantheon in Rome. It's a church, and so that also like because that's always an Easter tide. It's the fruits of the resurrection. So so far, with the seventh century, this is at Rome, but when it starts going up to northern Europe, it gets to be extended to people beyond martyrs, to all saints, and they move it to November first for two reasons. Okay. The one reason they put it in All Saints is the idea that's, that's roughly harvest time, you know, about November 1st. And we talk about the harvest of souls. But there was something else. There was this Celtic feast called Samhain. And that's spelled, you never guess how it's spelled. It's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but it's, called, it's spelled, it's pronounced Samhain. And you'll never guess, it marked the end of the harvest. But guess what was connected? People lit bonfires and wore costumes to ward off ghosts. <laughs> nice. Does this sound vaguely like that, something else? Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a uh, little, um, little holiday we know and love today. It sounds that way. We don't have any records of trick or treating, mind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so what happens, that's where we get this, we change the dates. And this probably was connected with the Celtic feast saying, hey, uh, there's a harvest of souls. It's a good time. Because, but a healthy Christian way to look at it, this is really about all the saints, all of those who are with the Lord. That's truth about this. And in the ninth century, that feast was spread to all of Western Europe by Gregory the Fourth, and so it's the entire church. And then in the tenth century, we had um, uh, we had a fast was added to that, and the vigil. And finally, by the fifteenth century, it was all we had a, a week long celebration. They call it an octave. So that's the story where all saints um, all saints came from. So we start with individual martyrs in celebrating individual places, then we get, uh, you know, a, a day for just kind of a catch-all for all martyrs. Then we get a church for all martyrs. Then we extend that to all saints. And uh, we get we get things mixed up with 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 weird pagan uh, pagan stuff. <laughs> well, they, they try to look at the positive side, saying, you know, there is sure. there's a truth about this, but the real truth is that there are saints of God. You know, all of us, you know, come with God. This is the truth. It's saying, take error and say, what, what's, the, what's the real story here? Instead of just saying, you know, the sun is, the moon is made out of, uh, of, what is it, blue cheese or cream cheese? Or? I think it's just cheese. Just cheese? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we asked some of our Wisconsin uh, listeners here <laughs> yeah, should uh, let us, us. Would, would probably know what it is. <laughs> which, which vintage the, which vintage it is, <laughs> the which moon is. The many yeah. wonderful cheeses made in America's uh -huh. Dairyland. Okay. Uh yeah, so that's uh, that's how we 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 got to uh, you know where we are is um, so the significance I would say was basically it's one helps remind us of the powerful thing of the unity of the church across time and space. Yeah, yeah, it's really powerful that we're something we're part of something so much bigger. We're the body of Christ, but that body extends across all time and all space. Hmm. You know, Christ, you know, is yesterday, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, and it really gives us a real solidarity with those that have gone before um that it's not just their memory that we're left with but we they continue they're alive in god we will be too one day um so it really it, it really is a a, a very an, a really imminent solidarity with those that have that have gone on um so i i've, I've always loved that about about all saints especially um is that it, we're not just kind of left with sort of, you know, good memories or even kind of like, 
ancestral spirits and stuff that we sort of pay homage to and stuff, but people who are really alive in God. And we, we, um, you know, we, we, we can, we continue on in the faith with in, in, in the midst of their encouragement. Yeah. The cloud of witnesses we talk about in Hebrews. Yeah. I find encouragement, you know, there's a, a Russian joke, which has, we could turn into something powerful. I mean, from the communist days is when Stalin died, comrade Stalin, you know, the, right. the little father of the peoples, uh, when <laughs> yeah, right. uncle Joe, when he died, there was this all this kind of crazy wailing and mourning throughout the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And the Russian joke, it was an authentic joke from the you know, Soviet Union making fun of this, is that there was a grandmother, one of the few people who could safely still practice their faith in the corner, uh, praying, lighting a candle in front of her icon. And I said, well, what are you praying for? And she says, I'm praying for Comrade Stalin. And he says, Stalin didn't believe in God. And her answer was, he does now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he does now. <laughs> but uh, that's but the uh, the thing here is sometimes people will say to me as a priest something like you know I wish I'd been able to, to say how sorry I was you know to my brother or something before he died I really sure. felt bad about that and saying he knows now yeah yeah no that's There's true. such a resolution no it's no no nothing's on when you're in the present that, that those things are settled yeah he yeah. does now yeah. you don't have to yeah. Um, well, that's great. Well, yeah. So it, I mean, that, that's, that's good to know where, where All Saints Day, uh, comes from and, um, even a little bit of Halloween thrown in there. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Is there any, anything that you, uh, recommend for our listeners for celebrating All Saints Day? I don't know, maybe outside of church at home or anything like that. Any lives of the saints that you like? Uh, yeah, there's a terrific, um, we have a number of really good books uh, you could recommend. For example, as Anglicans, we have Minor Feasts and Fasts, the older editions of that, mm-hmm. are really good for people who are on our own Anglican cal- calendar. Okay. Uh, so it's a book called Minor Feasts and Fasts. Yeah. Uh, for Roman Catholic uh, saints, there's one for every single day of the year is, um, uh, called Lives of the Saints by a man named um, Paul Burns edition. It's a one-volume edition. is good. Mm-hmm. And something... Um, that I'm very fond of is something called the Saints of the Roman Calendar. And that's by a man named Enzo Lodi, E-N-Z-O uh, space L-O-D-I, you know, Enzo Lodi. It's been translated to endless languages, but it takes all the saints who appear in the Roman and gives you really good stories of good historical information about them and also spiritually why they're interesting. Oh, so great. those are all, all good books if you're interested in the saints. And I give one word of advice on all saints. Um, you know, we say the God holiness is God, it could be compared to fire. You know, fire gives out light and gives out warmth. Yeah. And, you know, if you're, clo- if you're close to a fire, like, you know, a fire um, when you go on skating or something, if you're close to a fire, you, you get warm again and you get bright. You could read a book by the fire. So when people say, you know, how to become a saint, uh, you know, how do I become more saintly? They say, get closer to the fire. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, as Anglicans, we have what we need is we, we, we have the uh, prayer, we have the word of God, we meet him in his own word, and we have the sacraments. Mm. So you get, you're cold, you know, you're, you're not, you know, get close to the fire. If you want to be uh, more saintly, and then we have the charter of the saints, of course, which we'll have in another episode, which is the Beatitudes. Thanks so much, Father Stephen. Thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back again next week for more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. 
Thanks for listening. <laughs>